This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in to another emergency episode of the Prospect Podcast. I am Chris Trapasso, and woo, what a late Friday afternoon in late March in the NFL. Two gigantic trades that have big draft implications about a month away from the 2021 NFL draft in Cleveland. Now, by now, you know all the details, you know what happened, but to just summarize, the San Francisco 49ers moved from number 12 overall to number three overall in a trade with the Miami Dolphins, future first round picks involved, a third rounder. And then like 15 minutes later, the Miami Dolphins moved from number 12 overall, their new spot in the first round, up to number six overall in a trade with the Philadelphia Eagles for a 2022 first round pick. So I'm going to talk today on this emergency episode about what all these moves or these two moves mean for all three teams, the 49ers at number three overall, the Miami Dolphins at number six overall, and the Eagles at number 12 overall, along with some indirect impact that it's going to have on the rest of the top 10 and maybe even the top half of the first round. Starting with the 49ers, I just wrote an article that is now up on CBSSports.com that zeroes in on the quarterback prospects and their fits, the top quarterback prospects, and how well they would fit in San Francisco with the 49ers. Because for the 49ers to trade first-round picks the next two years and a third-rounder this year, or actually maybe that third-rounder is in 2022. But either way, it's a lot of picks, early picks. They're not picking Patrick Sertan. It's not a corner. It's a, a quarterback. And we know that Jimmy Garoppolo operated Kyle Shanahan's offense pretty well. But we saw that he could hold back that team a little bit. And I think at this point, Kyle Shanahan is like, hey, I'm ready to have an elite talent at the quarterback spot. We saw what he did with Matt Ryan, who at the time was a fringe elite quarterback, got to a Super Bowl, was a quarter away from winning a Super Bowl, and Matt Ryan had an MVP-type season. Since he's been in San Francisco, he's had great game managers and good backups like Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard played well at times, but they're all kind of the same guy. Jimmy Garoppolo is the best of that bunch because he processes a little bit quicker. He is more accurate, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's limited with his arm strength. He's limited with his mobility. To quickly summarize and give some more background to the article that I wrote, and I do welcome you to go to CBSSports.com and read that article. I think Zach Wilson, I'll start with him. He's a good fit for a few reasons. In San Francisco, uh, he is coming from BYU's wide zone-based offense that's pretty similar to what Kyle Shanahan runs in San Francisco. A lot of stretch plays to the left and to the right, 
play action rollouts, a lot of quick throws over the middle of the field that accentuate yards after the catch, occasional deep shot off play action. Zach Wilson was utilized or utilized a lot of play action last season, was very efficient doing that. The only reason, though, that I think it is a good fit and not a great or an amazing fit is because a lot of the reason why Zach Wilson is the, beyond Trevor Lawrence, really the most highly sought after prospect in this entire draft class is what he can do off script as a scrambler, throwing from outside the pocket when things break down. At times looks like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen or Deshaun Watson. And I think with Kyle Shanahan, that's not really what he wants from his quarterback. He doesn't strictly want a pocket passer. He likes some of that mobility with those rolling pockets. But I don't think we would get the full Zach Wilson experience in San Francisco with the 49ers in Kyle Shanahan's system. He would definitely utilize Zach Wilson on a lot of design rollouts. But I think Kyle Shanahan almost would want to keep Zach Wilson as a system quarterback. I think he could be efficient. He could put up big stats. He could be a great quarterback. But would you really be getting the full Zach Wilson experience? I don't think so. That's why I think it's a good fit, not a great or an amazing fit. Those are kind of the three categories that I used for this article. And I don't really think it matters because I'm pretty sure the Jets are going to pick Zach Wilson, and rightfully so, at number two overall. Trey Lance, the next guy, I think he would be a great fit in San Francisco with the 49ers because he has a huge arm. He really has a lot of experience off play action, just like Zach Wilson. A lot of his throws in 2019, that one year of full starter experience at North Dakota State, came on half field reads, off play action. And he's very mobile. I don't think throwing on the run is a problem to him at all. He's a very uh, naturally mobile. But the reasons why this was not the amazing fit, and you can kind of guess where I'm going with the next quarterback, for two reasons. I think that the 49ers, with this move, I don't know if you want to say all in, like they're going all in, but I think they're like, hey, we're getting Nick Bosa back. We're getting George Kittle back. We didn't have Debo Samuel for the full season. We know what we have in Brandon Ayuk, their first round pick last year. Great after the catch, explosive. We're a Super Bowl contender in 2021. And with Trey Lance, being that he's so young, he's 20 years old, one year of starting experience at the FCS level, He's a little bit more of a project. I think he at least needs one full year as a redshirt type player in the NFL. And I think it's very easy to forget that Patrick Mahomes sat for his entire first year with the Chiefs besides that final game of the regular season in 2017. It probably worked wonders for him. It it was probably integral in him reining in some of the craziness that he showed at Texas A&M throwing across his body. Still does a lot of those same things, but I think he was even more reckless in college. And Trey Lance isn't super accurate. He's not someone that uh, when he is off platform, he's going to throw with pinpoint ball placement down the field. And I think going from the FCS, having not played 
at all in 2020 outside of an exhibition contest against Central Arkansas, the game is going to be really fast for him at the NFL level. So I don't know if his timeline and the 49ers timeline kind of match up. And the second reason why I think it's a great fit, but not an amazing fit for Trey Lance in San Francisco, similar to what I just said about Zach Wilson, that part of the intrigue with Trey Lance is how great of an athlete and how phenomenal he was in the designed run game at North Dakota State. They were running quarterback power like it was Cam Newton at Auburn or early career Cam Newton with the uh, Carolina Panthers. And I don't think that is part of Kyle Shanahan's offense. I, I don't, I won't be surprised if Kyle Shanahan continues to evolve the offense a little bit. Uh, he's a young guy. It wouldn't shock me if he's pretty progressive and wants to add that element, but he's coming from his dad's coaching tree that it is a stretch run play play action offense that we have seen it has been able to withstand the test of time. You're going to get a high completion percentage from your quarterback, regardless of who it is. Pretty good yards per attempt around eight, which is really where you want to hit in today's NFL, definitely above seven. And a lot of these quarterbacks that he has coached, Kyle Shanahan, um, have been above seven or been above eight, which is a very good number. Uh, but I just, it's not an offense that we have seen likes to use quarterback power or read option or anything like that. I mean, maybe that has been recently because he's had CJ Beathard and Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer um, as his quarterbacks, but it's really not a staple at all of the Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak offense. So similar to Zach Wilson, we wouldn't be getting the full uh, trade Lance experience uh, and, and why he, even after one season as a 19-year-old starter at North Dakota State, is like widely considered someone who is going to go inside the top 10, if not earlier than that. So great fit, similar to Zach Wilson. I think it would work. I mean, a lot of it's a very quarterback-friendly system, and they're both very talented. The amazing fit is who I believe the 49ers are targeting with this trade-up. Justin Fields from Ohio State. This is a match made in heaven. And I wrote it in the article. Me as just a football fan, I want to see this. Justin Fields is hyper accurate, especially on that first read. And that can be short, intermediate, or down the field. He has a huge arm. He's a great athlete. He's smooth. Throwing on the run is very effortless for him. He did a lot of design rolling out at Ohio State in his two seasons there as a starter. Was highly efficient in those situations. I think from that pers- all those perspectives, that's, I mean, I could totally envision Kyle Shanahan watching the Ohio State film over the last two years and thinking to himself, man, this is the quintessential quarterback for my system. Because like Jimmy Garoppolo, like Matt Ryan, like Kirk Cousins, he's accurate. He gets the ball out quickly in those situations uh, where that first read can be kind of schemed open for him or he can recognize pre-snap where he needs to go. And I think he does do a good job with that. The two years in the Big Ten helped him uh, from where he was, obviously, as a freshman at Georgia from the processing and coverage reading perspectives. 
And he's had that in the past with other quarterbacks, but Fields gives you that next level with his arm. Huge arm, escapability from inside the pocket. Garoppolo didn't really have that. A lot of these other quarterbacks, even Matt Ryan, didn't really have that. And then the athleticism and the reliability that he showed throwing on the run, and that is a key component to what Kyle Shanahan wants from his quarterbacks and hasn't really had over the past couple of seasons there in San Francisco, despite all the success that he's had, all the efficiency that he's been able to scheme up in that offense. And to kind of go off what I said about Wilson and Trey Lance, could you use Justin Fields in the designed run game? Yes, absolutely. Because I think he's a mid 4-4, high 4-4 quarterback, which is pretty insane in terms of his speed. He's very deceptively elusive, but I think he doesn't really love to go off script. Like I said earlier, I, I or just a second ago, I think he is a great escape artist. He's really, I've compared him to Deshaun Watson because he checks a lot of the same boxes that what we've seen from Deshaun Watson early in his career. But when things break down, he is going to take off and run and try to pick up a third and six with his legs more so than scan outside the pocket, throw it across his body. And at times when he did that, he kind of got into trouble. And I think Kyle Shanahan's fine with that. If it's third and seven and I roll you out from your left to your right and your triangle read isn't open, just run and get the first down that way. You don't need to do anything insane. So I think he is ready to be a system quarterback. And that is not with a negative connotation in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I'm excited for this fit. I think Justin Fields can take off right away. He's got a nice group of skill position players. And for as much as it's easy to just fall in love with Justin Fields' arm, he's, again, very accurate and can get it out quickly, short to intermediate level, to George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. It's a nice trio of guys who are outstanding after the catch. I love this fit. I think that's going to be the guy for the San Francisco 49ers, Justin Fields, an amazing fit in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. The next team, and I'm glad I didn't do this emergency podcast like right when the trade happened because I would have been talking about the Eagles as a team that was negatively impacted by the initial trade because it would have decreased their chances to get a quarterback. But now we know their intentions. They traded out from number six overall to number 12 overall. They're going to ride with Jalen Hurts in 2021, which I don't think has a huge likelihood of succeeding. But now they have two first round picks uh, in 2022. So if things go astray with Jalen Hurts, and but not terrible, and they're six and ten, and they have the 12th pick in the draft, and they need to move up for a quarterback, they can do it. They have more ammunition now, or it there's a stronger likelihood that they do that. And at number 12, what's interesting, the Eagles do need quite a bit. And at 12, there's not a great chance that one of the top four offensive playmakers. At the pass catcher spot, Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Kyle Pitts are there. Maybe one of them is there. I think with the Giants 
their interdivision rival sitting there at 11. Uh, if Kyle Pitts is there, if one of those four are sitting there at 11, we would think even after signing Kenny Galladay, it's not crazy to think that Dave Gettleman would just try to get even more weapons for Daniel Jones. Um, but there's an outside chance that one of those four is there. And, and if Devonte Smith is the guy who falls, if it's Jamar Chase, because maybe he's not super fast, the Eagles would be pretty smart to pick that player, regardless of who it is. I think the top tier of receivers, the top three, plus Kyle Pitts, all like immediate game changers, instant impact, whatever you want to call them. Even with Jalen Rager, uh, their first round pick from 2020, who got hurt and Eagles fans were going crazy watching Justin Jefferson have like an all pro season. Uh, I think that would be a pretty nice trio or uh, duo, I should say, at the receiver spot. They could go offensive line, giving the age of their starters up front. Rashawn Slater, the tackle from Northwestern, very balanced, very athletic, good center of gravity, uh, could maybe even play guard early in his career. Christian Darasaw from Virginia Tech, slowly but surely played better in each of his seasons at Virginia Tech. Long, powerful, balanced, great run blocker, uh, very difficult to beat in pass protection because he can slide his feet laterally against an inside move, uh, an effortless anchor. He's not going to get bull rushed very often. That would make a lot of sense. If Penny Sewell for some reason falls, and I don't think he's going to fall to 12, but if he does, that would be a huge pick. And they could go defense too. They could be the team that picks the first corner off the board, Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan, or J.C. Horn. I, I don't really think any of those guys, maybe outside of Farley, uh, belong at number 12 overall. But when you're the Eagles, you need, you've need you needed secondary forever. You have Darius Slay. You can't certainly wait until round two for any of those corners. But I, and it's kind of been the case the last couple of years, I think that there is better value picking a corner early in the second than there is picking one at number 12 overall in this draft class. There's Eric Stokes from Georgia, Afitu Malafanu from Syracuse, um, Tyson Campbell from Georgia, Elijah Molden, who's kind of this slot Buddha Baker type from Washington. There's a lot of like pretty good prospects at the cornerback spot that will probably be available in round two. So you're getting that guy in somewhere in the late 30s, early 40s, as opposed to picking someone that I think has some flaws in Patrick Sertan, not a crazy athlete, not super duper fast at number 12. J.C. Horn, I think he's a little bit grabby. I don't know how quick twitch he is, although we know he's explosive. And then my number one corner, Kayla Farley, would have the least amount of questions, but we know he's has some injury problems, opted out in 2020, and is a converted wide receiver. I, I would be fine, actually, with Kayla Farley. The other two, Sertan and Horn, that are getting the most buzz, uh, I think would be a little bit too early, would be a little bit of a reach for the Eagles. They could go edge rusher. Uh, they could be the team that picks the first edge rusher, Quiddy Pay, given the age of Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett uh, in that fifth-year option year now. Um, I don't know if there's a defensive tackle that's worth that pick, maybe Christian Barmore. They could pick linebacker, too. They could pick Micah Parsons, and I think that would be a fine selection. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, my number one off-ball linebacker, would be an awesome fit. He would really be showing that the Eagles are – ready to play in today's NFL because he is a corner or he's a, yeah, he's a slot corner. He's a safety. He's a linebacker plays with reckless abandon, super twitchy, super fast, instinctive, makes crazy plays down the field. Really 
everything's on the table seemingly for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles now, except quarterback. And if they were maybe enamored with Justin Fields and thought, hey, if Justin Fields falls to us at six or he gets past the Dolphins at three, let's make a move for him. They see the trade happen with the 49ers moving up to three. They're thinking the same thing I'm thinking and everyone's thinking that the 49ers are going to pick Fields. They don't necessarily want two kind of raw but athletic quarterbacks in Trey Lance and Jalen Hurts on the roster at this point. That would not make a lot of sense um, given the direction of this team. They said, hey, let's move out. Let's get extra picks. Let's try to build the roster, of course, this year, but really gear up in 2022 in case things don't go well. Good insurance policy for Jalen Hurts there at the quarterback spot, getting that 2022 pick from the Dolphins. Now to the Miami Dolphins. And I have to say, their GM, Chris Greer, has done an amazing job navigating the draft, acquiring early draft picks, trading away players, most namely Laramie Tunsil, in August of 2019, to really build this team up in a hurry from a team that was the focus of, is there tanking in the NFL? And... Are the Dolphins doing everything in their power to get to a tongue of Iloa? I mean, they still won five games two years ago, but that was a roster that was had no business winning five games, and it showed how hard they were playing for then first-year head coach Brian Flores. They go 10-6 and six this past year, and that was with Ryan Fitzpatrick and a mostly struggling to a tongue of Iloa at the quarterback spot. When the initial trade happened, So to get how this impacts Miami, I thought, well, it's a little interesting for the Dolphins. I mean, getting two first round picks, 2022 and 2023, plus a third rounder was huge. Like that just in and of itself, in theory, it is a huge win for the Dolphins. Now, obviously they have to make the right draft picks, but as a GM, that's a dream come true. You want as many roles at the table as possible in the draft. But I thought, Man, they were sitting there at three, and a trade back always seemed pretty likely for them, or they seemed to be the team that was most likely to trade back. But to move all the way to 12, it seemed like they were going to miss out on those elite playmakers, like what I just said about the Eagles. And really, even with the signing of Will Fuller and with Devontae Parker having kind of a mid career resurgence and really emerging as a probably lower level, but still wide receiver number one. You have Jakeem Grant in the slot, super twitchy, explosive, kick returner. They probably need more weapons for Tua. So at number 12, again, I I think not a strong likelihood that Devontae Smith, Jalen, or Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, or Kyle Pitts would be there. I think they would be gambling to say, we hope one of these guys is going to last this long. But now at number six, they're right in the thick of things with that elite tier of playmakers. And I think like any of the receivers would make perfect sense. I mean, especially Devontae Smith, considering uh, his familiarity with Tua Tungavailoa. And probably if you're really just thinking about draft value, drafting a 170-pound wide receiver at number six would ease your mind a little bit more if you're Chris Greer as opposed to picking him at number three overall. And certainly doing it at six after you've gotten extra picks. 
would make you feel a lot better than number three overall and with no extra selections. But man, Kyle Pitts and Mike Kosicki would be a blast. Because Mike Kosicki had a freaky combine in 2018. One of the most just naturally gifted, bouncy, fast tight ends in the league. Had a breakout season in 2020 and was kind of building to that in his first couple of seasons after kind of a rocky start. To have two really long, tall, jump ball wide or tight ends that can get open and are not fun after the catch for defenses, Tua would love that. Let's just say that. I, I think that would be unique to see a team kind of almost double up at the tight end spot. But we know after what we saw, what the Buccaneers did, assembling that skill position group, winning the Super Bowl, what the Chiefs have done, what the Buffalo Bills did, bringing in Stephon Diggs after signing John Brown and Cole Beasley. Uh, it is a three or four pass catcher league that it is not just get two good wide receivers. It is get three or get two really good tight ends. Get your young quarterback as many weapons as possible. You can't have too many. So I, I absolutely love what the Dolphins have done in the last couple hours. To move to 12, and then I don't know if – I wouldn't be shocked if they had this trade back and then trade up already kind of in the works, but that they moved back to 12 and then up to 6 using – Yes, they used their original 2022 first-round pick, but now they have San Francisco's in the bag to then move up to six to stay in that elite playmaker realm. And if they don't want to go offensive playmaker and they think, hey, second round, we got we have extra picks everywhere, let's pick Rondell Moore or let's pick Terrace Marshall or Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. If any of those players are there in round two, let's pick that guy instead, and let's really fortify the offensive line. If the Bengals happen to go Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell, Penny Sewell on that offensive line, and yes, they picked three offensive linemen last year. Their left tackle, Austin Jackson, who was not very good as a rookie, but does have good upside because he's long and he's young and he's athletic. Solomon Kindley from Georgia, who played very well at the guard spot for a day three guard. Um, and Robert Hunt from Louisiana Lafayette, who's kind of like a, a guard, right tackle type, more powerful than he is athletic. I still think it's an offensive line that needs work. Penny Sewell, I don't care. Play him anywhere. Move Austin Jackson. Penny Sewell is my number one offensive tackle, a top 10 talent in this draft class. I, I am not quite as high on him as, as the rest. I, I don't think he's like a top one or top two or top three talent in this class. Um, but I think top 10, absolutely. And at number six overall, if they picked him, it would be a home run because we also have seen the teams that have gotten the most out of their young quarterbacks have made sure there are not clear deficiencies on the offensive line. I, I think it would be a little bit too early for like a Rashawn Slater or a Christian Darasaw that would make more sense at 12 for the Eagles, but something on offense for the Miami Dolphins, uh, there is a little bit of a thought that maybe they could go edge rusher after trading Shaq Lawson. I don't know if there's a guy at number six, unless they absolutely adore Quiddy Pay from Michigan or Aziz Ojulari from Georgia. Uh, maybe Jalen Phillips, a local guy from 
the University of Miami, but I think number six would be a little bit too early. And this really is just all about what the Dolphins are not only getting this year in the draft, but what they have in the coming drafts to not just build this team to win 11 or 12 games in 2021, but keep building and and try to get better every single season. So they have multiple first-rounders this year, two second-rounders, and then in 2022, they have their first-round pick. In 2023, they have two first-round picks. So they have done a fantastic job to position themselves to be the next team in the AFC to become a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I I really believe that. I'm not as high on Tua. I think he could hold them back. But hey, if Tua tanks, wouldn't that be ironic? And the Dolphins roster looks like one of the better rosters in the league, but the quarterback is holding them back. They're perfectly positioned next year to use some of that extra draft capital to pick a quarterback, to move up for a quarterback, to pick a quarterback uh, with those two first round selections or one first round selection next year uh, and extra picks in the first round in 2023. So, and then for the rest of the top 10, I wanted to just say, I, I think that the Panthers at number eight are probably clear are to me, clear cut losers because they seem like a team and I, I had mocked Trey Lance to them a bunch. I think that would, that's still in play. And because I think he would be a great fit as someone to be mentored by Teddy Bridgewater, who's like the exact opposite quarterback of him. But there was a chance that Justin Fields would have fallen to them at number eight overall. There was a lot of mock drafts out there from the big draft type saying like, hey, Fields is going to be the guy who falls. Like Trey Lance, that skill set could land him at number four with the Falcons. He could sit behind Matt Ryan. If Fields were to have fallen to number eight, the Panthers would have jumped on that right away. We know that they're all in on Deshaun Watson before all of the off the field allegations and everything that's happening with Watson. They want to upgrade the quarterback spot. They were very active in free agency. Uh, now, yes, Trey Lance could still be in the cards for them, but it probably not only almost wipes away the chances of the Panthers being able to pick Justin Fields, but decreases the likelihood that Trey Lance will last all the way to number eight overall. Quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three for the first time since 1999 when it was Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, and Achilles Smith, the third time in NFL draft history. But Number four with the Falcons. Number five, the Bengals obviously are not going to pick one. Dolphins there at six, probably not going to pick one. Completely blanking on who number seven is. Oh, the Lions. Jared Goff, with that situation, yeah, he has a tie to their new GM, Brad Holmes, who was in Los Angeles with the Rams forever. They could pick a quarterback. Could Denver make a trade with Detroit and move ahead? Of the Panthers, I think for Carolina at eight, it's not good. All these moves. And for the Denver Broncos, a team that doesn't seem super upset with Drew Locke, but not thrilled with him either. And they have a new GM in George Payton there that we have seen in the past. When a new GM comes in, he typically likes to put a stamp on the start of his era with that new organization. 
And rounding out the top 10, the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think it changes too much. They weren't going to go offensive skill position player, obviously. Uh, maybe if they were kind of quietly looking at the offensive line class with the Dolphins there at six and their chances of picking maybe Penny Sewell if he falls past Cincinnati, it doesn't help Dallas. But really, it's probably going to be a defender for Dallas. Um, so I think it doesn't really change their draft plans too much. And then the New York Giants, I think, at number 11, and I'll kind of conclude with this because the Eagles are there at, at 12 after that. Um, it's not good for them either because for about 15 minutes, when the Dolphins were one pick behind them, the Giants had to have felt pretty good about their chances to land at least one of those top skill position players. And again, I don't think it is definitely not going to happen that Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, and Jalen Waddle will all be gone inside the top 10. But now the Falcons could pick one. The Dolphins, especially with that ascension from 12 to 6, seem like they are positioned and they made that move to make sure they were right in the thick of things at the elite skill position tier in this class. Detroit, yes, they franchise tagged Kenny Galladay. They need weapons big time. Uh, Carolina lost Curtis Samuel in free agency. They really have DJ Moore and not much else. Robbie Anderson, I guess, which I don't know how I forgot him. He had a very good season last year, but they could use another weapon if they want to try to get the most out of one more season of Teddy Bridgewater. So with those, with the Dolphins being inserted, essentially, it just slightly decreases the chance of one of those top four elite playmakers to fall to the Giants. So tons of trades, or I guess two, but tons of implications here in late March on the draft front. It's going to be, I mean, this is really kind of crystallizes what's going to happen in Cleveland in late April in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft. I'm really excited. I'm excited for Justin Fields, most likely in San Francisco and to see what the Dolphins ultimately do at number six overall. And if one of those top four elite skill position players at the pass catcher spot gets to number 12 with the Eagles. And if it doesn't, I think they're okay because they do have so many other holes. They'll still be able to get a, a blue chip prospect at number 12 might be on defense, um, but will the Dolphins go blocker or will they go pass catcher? I, I think they're going to go pass catcher because I think they like their group of receivers and Mike Kosicki, but I think they realize that Tua needs a few more playmakers around him, especially to even compete in their own division with the Buffalo Bills and in the rest of the conference with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, it'll be really interesting. And I think we were going to have a good draft regardless, a very fun first round, but now things are not only more crystallized, but a lot more fascinating. All right. That's all I got for this emergency episode of the prospect podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Any questions, comments, please leave, um, a comment or a rating on the prospect podcast. Thank you so much for listening.